Amy Antonelli is the Chief Executive Officer of Humanitarian Experience, HXP, previously known as HEFY. This summer, HXP sent over 5,000 teenagers out on sustainable service expeditions to 47 global locations. Collectively, they are driven by one clear purpose, to love God and love people. Prior to her work with HXP, Amy acted as a spokesperson for Apple's executive officers, including CEO Steve Jobs, and was instrumental in building PowerSchool, Inc., leading up to its acquisition by Apple. She subsequently led an initiative with the leadership team at Facebook to develop a more mission-driven internal community and another with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to develop a global self-reliance mentoring strategy. Amy holds a master's degree from Harvard and a Bachelor of Arts from BYU. She served a mission in Italy and Malta, and as the first executive director of Rising Star Outreach, she spent seven of the best years of her life living and working among the people of the leprosy colonies in rural India. She considers her life tangible proof of the promise she lives by, there will be miracles. And today, I get to have an incredibly inspiring conversation with Amy all about how essential it is to really see people, both the teenagers she works with at HXP and the people they serve in various mission trips. Amy and I talk all about her experiences in seeing these teenagers discover what it feels like to truly give your best self to the world and to feel the ultimate fulfillment of the joy of living in the moment and being the Savior's hands. If you've ever considered sending your kids on a service trip, this episode is a must-listen for you. Amy, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, what an honor. It's such a privilege to be this. I love your podcast, and so I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. So for anyone who is not familiar with you and all of the really amazing things that you've done. Can you give us a little bit of background on you and all of the wonderful things that you've oh. done? <laughs> like in a nutshell. Yeah, no, sure. It's kind of a crazy story. It's definitely not the story that I thought I would tell. I'm 48 now and I it's definitely not the story I would tell at this point in my life. But I absolutely believe in Elder Maxwell's idea that each one of us have a customized curriculum. And I believe that the life that I've lived is the life that I was supposed to live after all. Yeah. I When I was in college, I went on a mission and I came back from the mission and got engaged to this wonderful boy who had waited for me. And I just thought he was everything. And he really was. He was an amazing guy. But the closer we got to our wedding, the more we just didn't feel right about it. And so made the decision to call off the wedding four weeks before we were supposed to get married. And wow. Just a little bit, a few weeks after that, I got a call from a friend of mine who had started up a little company in California, and this was in 1999. And so it was just right when the internet was taking off. And he truly had to explain to me that what the internet was and, and convince me that it was going to be something that was going to take off. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he talked to me about a startup. And so we we lived the whole startup story, we went to California and rented a couple of apartment buildings after our office space got too big and sat on the floor and came up with business plan ideas and grew the company really fast. And a year and a half later, Steve Jobs one day walked into our office and Apple ended up purchasing our company. As part of the acquisition, I got invited to come down to Cupertino 
and joined Steve Jobs' executive relations team as one of the spokeswomen for his executive team. So I had the chance to get to know him a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was super low on the totem pole. No, no, no. (laughs) But I was able at least to work with this guy and to watch him. And it was kind of one of those moments that I feel like was really pivotal in my life because for the first time, I was able to watch someone who was truly incredible at engaging people around a common cause. And I watched the way he did it. And I feel like it was a really important life lesson for me. We would go into meetings with Steve and it would be like about hard drives or something. And he he would lead that meeting and you would walk out just thinking, man, Apple is so lucky that I'm here, that this <laughs> company would fall apart without me. But he was truly incredible at just engaging us around this idea that we were creating something that was going to change the world. And he was so passionate about it. And he was right. I mean, it was contagious. He turned out to be really a visionary. And so I worked with him for a couple of years. And then in 2004, you'll probably remember a tsunami hit in Southern Asia, India and Thailand, Sri Lanka. And at that point, I had reached the sort of crossroads in my life where I had always believed that I would be a wife and a mother. and as a very devoted follower of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe deeply that that is kind of like the ultimate thing that a woman can do is to to raise a family and to to be a mother in, in, in Zion. But that hadn't happened for me yet. So I was kind of feeling some, some depression around that. Like, I'm, that's so cool. I'm like this, I'm doing so great in Apple. And I, I, I felt like the, the better I did in my career, the more I was on this train that was just going in the opposite direction of where I felt like I should be. And it was really causing this big disconnect for me. And all I could see was two paths, either A, a stay-at-home mom, or B, super tough, hardcore career woman, which didn't feel right for me. And because I couldn't see an alternative, I was feeling like very like twisted up and turned. When the tsunami hit, I got a call from a mentor of mine, Dick Peary, who had a family foundation. And he said, look, my kids are going to India to see what we can do to help. I I think you should go with them. Like with no time to think about it at all, I just hopped on a plane and went to India five days after the tsunami hit. And we got there and this, this tsunami was an incredible tragedy, but there were so many people around the world that were helping with that. It felt like the people were, were being well taken care of. But one day I met a woman and she invited me to go out to a leprosy colony with her. And at that point, I didn't even know leprosy existed on the planet. Like I couldn't believe that in 2005, it was January then of 2005, that leprosy still existed. And so I said, sure, yeah, I'll go with you. And so we drove about two hours outside of the city of Chennai out to this leprosy colony. And honestly, Crin, it was probably, I'd seen poverty in my life before, but it was the first time in my life I'd ever really felt like I was in hell. <laughs> I mean, wow. I walked out of the van, I opened the door and all I saw around me was just these people that were like sitting in the dirt with various forms of disfigured limbs with like open wounds and human excrement and flies all around. And it's the smell. And I was like, so horrified by the whole experience that honestly, all thought of compassion just gone. I would, I just needed to get out of there. I didn't, I couldn't handle it. I turned around to get back into the van. And as I did, I made eye contact with this little woman. She was sitting against a tree 
her hands were sort of twisted up like this. She didn't really have any kind of facial figures left, but she looked at me and in her eyes, suddenly I just saw a woman just like me. And it was one of those moments where I just realized nothing else in that moment mattered. I just saw another human being and we had connected on that level that happens sometimes. And I just kind of like followed that feeling over to her. I sat down, she started telling me her story about how she had contracted leprosy 20 years before. And in India, they really believe and believed more, even more deeply at that time that in leprosy was a curse from God. Mm. She had been sort of living as a beggar for 20 years because that was your only option when you contracted leprosy. She was telling me her story. And as she was telling me this story, I just, in just a very natural gesture of kind of like compassion and solidarity, I reached over and just touched her shoulder like, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. And I just can't even imagine. And that moment, her reaction was visceral because she had truly identified with this name that they had given her in India, which is that she was an untouchable. And when I touched her, the shock on her face resonated so deeply that I felt it just as much as she did. And in that moment, I kind of just realized, oh my gosh, like I've, I've made a huge impact on this person by touching her. All of a sudden, just that like the trajectory of my life switched. And I realized I just learned from the best in the world, Steve Jobs himself around how to engage people around a common cause and how to get people excited about doing something. And he taught me how to do it around hard drives. And I thought, well, I think I can teach, I can get people to be excited about helping people with leprosy. And that would be a lot easier than hard drives. Yeah. I went home and quit my job and moved to India. And I spent the next seven years in India building this organization to help people with leprosy called Rising Star Outreach. And that was kind of a a miracle in my life. Certainly wasn't the the thing that I thought I would be doing. And it, it, it as a single woman, it was definitely kind of a a shift from what I thought I would do. It was a little bit harder than I thought to get a date in the leprosy colonies. <laughs> so it wasn't super conducive to that, but truly it was the happiest time of my life. Anyway, I did that for seven years, came back, went to graduate school. When I was in graduate school, I found out that a friend of mine was working at Facebook for Mark Zuckerberg, and he was looking for somebody that had a background in nonprofits and that could help engage the people at Facebook around the mission of Facebook. So ended up going and doing that for a little while. And then I got a call from the church asking if I would come help work on the self-reliance programs that they were building out. And so I came to the church for a couple of years and helped do that. And then the founders of what used to be called HEFY, it's not HXP, reached out to me and asked if I would help scale that program. And that was seven years ago. And so I, I came initially just to kind of help them a little bit, but fell in love with it pretty early on and realized the impact that we could have on the youth with service. So I've been doing that for the last seven years. That's a really big wrap up of my life. Yes. <laughs> it's a little longer than you thought, but that's where yeah. I am. That was amazing. <laughs> and I learned a lot of things. I mean, some of that I already knew about you, but I learned a lot of new things too. So that's, <laughs> it's so fun to hear like a more complete version of this is really where you've come from and all the things that you've done. And and oh. I know that my mom and sister love you from their time crossing paths with you at Rising Star. I knew yeah. before they were ever famous. I knew them. They were like just <laughs> in the too. dirt. 
<laughs> they're just in the dirt with me in the colonies. Yes. I, they were amazing. So I love them both. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, and we cross paths because you know our mutual friend, Spencer Taggart, who's been on my podcast a couple of times. And he had you come speak to a group of women. And I just remember feeling totally feeling so inspired and so amazed by your light and your mission and all the wonderful things that you bring to wherever you are. So today we want to talk about kind of what you've done in HXP is what it's called now, right? Yeah. HXP, formerly HEFY. (laughs) So for anyone who's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to give a little bit of background on, I guess, HEFY, which was kind of a break off from the idea of EFY, right? Am I right? Like that's kind of, it was a, well, you tell me because for me, like I, my understanding of that is just that it was a break off, like I said, of something that I grew up with that really helped establish my testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was a summer program called EFY, especially for youth where teenagers from, I think it was like 14 to 18 in our church could go for like a week to a college campus and just be totally immersed in gospel study and it and and have a lot of fun and do fun things and meet kids from all over. And it really helped concrete my testimony of Jesus Christ and of our Heavenly Father. And then how did that go from being that to where did HEFY come from? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I had a similar experience actually with EFY when I was a teenager. And I actually ended up becoming an EFY counselor. Oh, after that. you were? That's awesome. Yeah, it was pivotal for me, especially as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I grew up on the East Coast. And so as a Christian, I had a lot of wonderful friends who were Christians, but who were different denominations than I was. For me, going to EFY was so powerful because it was one of the first times that I found a, a group of friends who were the same denominational faith as I was. And it really helped me to kind of want to do the work to really understand what my belief in God was and and help to solidify my my understanding of of how true this path is and that I've chosen to follow. And so I've been grateful for it. It's been so interesting when the founders of our organization, Humanitarian Experience, first started the organization, it actually was because they were also living on the East Coast and they were looking around and seeing their friends, their kids' friends who were doing these mission trips, which are very common in other Christian religions or mm-hmm. other Christian denominations. And they just thought, oh, that's so cool that they're doing them. They were seeing the impact that they had on them. And they thought, oh, I wish we had something like that in our denomination. But there really wasn't anything like that. The founders of our organization, Glenn and Elizabeth Bingham, just decided to do it themselves. So they took their son, David, out on the first HXP trip, which was in 1999. Oh, wow. And yeah, they took him back to Glenn's Mission in Brazil, where they built a home for street kids in Brazil. And it had a profound impact on David's life. He came back just passionate about the idea of service and really with a new understanding of who he was as a human being that cared about other people that loved God and loved service. And that experience incentivized him to go on a mission. He went on a mission to the Philippines, had a great mission. David was a wonderful person. And he actually ended up passing away unexpectedly about nine years after that. We really honor David Bingham as the very first, we call the kids builders, the very first builder of HXP. And we recognize the legacy that he started now that there have been 
tens and thousands of kids that have gone in, in his footsteps and done this. So it's powerful. BYU was kind enough around 2012 to give us permission to call ourselves H-E-F-Y. And I truly believe that that was really helpful in terms of just helping people to understand that we're a youth-based program that is affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but not a program of the church or of BYU. We're just simply a group of members of the church that are, are going out and serving as we got bigger and bigger, we agreed with BYU that there was that kind of created some confusion. People were believed that it may be a part of the EFY program or a mm-hmm. part of the church. A few years ago, we just decided to change our nickname from HEFY to HXP. That's always been humanitarian experience, but just to avoid any confusion around that, we now call ourselves HXP. And what I love about that is actually we found out when we made that change that XP, the XP symbol is actually one of the ways that early Christians used to identify themselves as followers of Christ. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. If you go to like Israel or Italy or some of the early places where the Christians first existed, you see the XP, the, it's called the Cairo sign in a lot of the old tombs and stuff like that. It's really gotten to be a fun thing for our kids. They go all around the world and they find the XP and We are unapologetic about the fact that we're followers of Christ and our mission is to help kids come to Christ through the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love that now we've built into our nickname this idea that we are always and foremost followers of Christ. We want kids to learn how to love Him by doing what He did. Yeah, that is so cool. And I remember, once you said that, I remember you telling me that at Aspen Grove. We ran into each other at Aspen Grove this past summer. (laughs) That was a really fun fact for me to learn. what these experiences are like. Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, I have no idea what that would be like for my kid, but I have a teenager and this sounds interesting. Tell me more. Like what's, what do you tell someone who says that to you? We go to 57 locations all over the world. We go to, typically we go to emerging locations where they need access to either healthcare or education or sometimes housing. But we try and find places where we can identify the need and we take groups of 19 kids to those locations. And we usually spend two and a half weeks there building either a school or a hospital or a home for somebody who needs, or sometimes we'll do like sanitary bathrooms or something like that, depending on what the need is in that area. There's a couple of key elements of our program that I think are big contributors to why it's been so successful. One of the biggest ones is it's a, it's a complete digital detox They don't have their phones for two and a half weeks. And I think for some of these kids, it's really the first time that they've ever really been able to find that headspace to really think about who they are, who they want to become and whether their current trajectory is consistent with, with what they, that they want to become. So I think that digital detox is really important. I always like to joke that I spent the first part of my career, you know, at Apple and Facebook, really working hard to get people to sort of look down at their phones and Honestly, Corinne, all I want to do right now is get people to look up yeah. because I I just think that we didn't know exactly what we were doing back then when when we were getting these people to look at their phones. And 
if I could do anything in the world at this point, it's to get people to get off their phones and look up to God and to budget the headspace for him to be able to actually talk to you and talk, especially to talk to these kids. So it's a digital detox. I love that. And yeah. what a weird world that we live in too. Like the other day I took my parents, I drove my parents to the airport and uh-huh. Neil immediately called my mom's phone and said, Corinne left her phone here. And I was like, it's fine. And it was a little weird. Once I dropped him off and then I was in the car by myself driving home and it's like a 20 minute drive home. It was still like, this is weird. What if something happens? Like I'm totally. so disconnected from the outside world. Yes. It's the strangest feeling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think five years ago, it's actually been interesting. I think five or six years ago, when we talked about the digital detox, the kids really were freaked by that. They did not want to give up their phones. But I think President Nelson's invitation a couple of years ago to do it, to get off your phones, do a fast, a digital fast. I think a lot of these kids have started to recognize the benefits that can come from getting off your phones for a while. And yeah. now it's different. They get it to the airport for the first day of their trip. So they can't wait to hand us their phones. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. it's real. And then at the end of the trip, they don't want them back. They've, wow. they've had this two weeks of like looking each other in the eyes and experiencing what it's like to have these experiences in real life. Yeah, I think the world is going so far towards this like virtual reality stuff, the whole meta thing. And HXP is all about in real life. Like we create experiences for kids in real life where you can have real connections and real positive things. And that's the other major focus of our organization is what we call positive peer groups. Mm. We believe that these peer groups are not just for the two weeks that the kids are out there on their trips, but they actually create these sort of safe spaces where the kids can have positive peer groups, they show up at each other's farewells and they end up being roommates in college afterwards. And they cheer each other on and hear stories all the time of groups that'll do like once a month Zoom calls to do come follow me together afterwards. It's like a space where they're cheering each other on to stay in the gospel. And to. I just heard this story just the other day, actually, about a kid who went on his trip totally uninterested in God and interested in the gospel at all. We try, we work really hard to make sure there's no clicks on the trips or that everybody feels included. So by the time he was done with his trip, even though he wasn't 100% sold on the gospel, he had this group of friends that he loved. Mm -hmm. And I just heard this story about this other boy on the trip who went on his mission right after the trip, who every single week now for a year and a half has been sending this kid messages from his mission about his experience. And this boy just barely got his mission call. Oh, and and, and cool. he really d- attributes it to his friend who just didn't give up on him from the trip. And I, I hear that story all the time. But this positive peer group where we have kids that will show up on their mission who have never said like the word hell in their whole life. <laughs> and, then this, uh, and then we have kids on that same trip who literally came out of drug rehab like three days ago. And by the time the trip ends, they're all best friends with each other because they've engaged in this common cause of like service, hard work. They work from nine to five every day. They're sweating. It's hard. It's dirty. But in the process, they just learn to love each other and to support each other in really, really powerful ways. In the mornings, they read scriptures together. And I think that brings the spirit in. 
and they go to church. And in the evenings, a lot of times the bishops where we go, if we visit a ward, they'll invite us to come to their activities or to do a fireside or something like that. And that brings out all the local kids from the woodwork. And Mm. by the time they all say goodbye, they're like crying. Even if they don't speak the same language, they're like, I love you. I love you. Like the most beautiful to watch them come together in service and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just a really powerful thing that turns. So our our tagline is there will be miracles. And honestly, that's such an audacious promise, but I've seen it happen in the most incredible ways over and over again over the years that I believe it's a promise we can make. Yeah. So I really wanted to ask you about that because every time I see that, I'm like, oh, I want to know about the miracles. Like I want to know what's happening and so I would love for you to explain like where that came from and then some of your favorite miracle experiences that you've seen or heard about or been part of. It's funny. Somebody this summer asked me, they said, it must be an incredible thing. We've got 6,000 kids going out on trips and 57 global locations all over the world. And they said, does it, does it just feel like you're just sort of leading this beautiful symphony that you're like conducting this thing all over the world where it's just this amazing thing happening. And at first I like, I was like, yeah, it does kind of feel like that. But then I stopped and thought about it. And I just thought, you know, it actually, what it actually feels like is that I'm like standing in front of this orchestra and somebody who is so much wiser and so much more knowledgeable and so much more loving and so much more understanding than I am is actually conducting this thing. And because I can't tell you how many times the right kid has ended up in the right place Mm -hmm. with the right group that I never could have said needed to happen, but that was exactly where they needed to be. We saw that more than anything last year when the pandemic was still winding down because we ended up having to reroute 2000 kids from the original trips that they were on in 15 weeks we planned 50% more trips last year than we needed because we thought we might have to do that. And we ended up using every single one. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was wild how many kids were like, I never would have chosen to come on this trip, but this was the group that I needed to be with. And God, it felt like God just kind of like picked people up and moved them around. And he's like, okay, you guys didn't quite get that right. Let me just fix this for you. (laughs) And it was an amazingly incredible thing to see. When, when I talk about the miracle, it's, it's on three different levels. You know, I think we have about 1500 young adults that apply to be trip leaders for us each year. And I hire from that group only, I can only hire between 90 and about 150. So, so those are like college age kids, right? They're usually college age or a little bit older. I think our average age is about 24 for to be a trip leader. Okay. So we do have a few that just barely came off their missions, but usually they're a little older than that. But they are the best of the best. I mean, these young adults are just unreal at being able to connect with all the different versions of the kids on their trip. And I think they're so powerful in the ways that they are able to just feel God's love for every kid on their trip. Our trip leaders start praying for their kids as soon as they're hired. And I think a really miraculous thing that happens as a result of that is that by the time they meet these kids in the airport, Mm -hmm. they already have seen a, a portion of the way that God sees them. And I think for some of these kids, 
honestly, that's the first time anybody's ever looked at them like that before, because some of these kids are like the problem kids that have been labeled that way all their lives. And our trip leaders just will not see them like that. No matter how uninterested in the gospel, no matter how totally rebellious they are, like I, our trip leaders pray for the ability to be able to see them the way that God sees them. And I think once kids get a vision of who they are in that light, they spend the rest of their lives chasing that version of themselves because then they've seen who they really can be. Yeah, And I think that's one of the things that the trip leaders, one of the miracles that the trip leaders really bring to HXP. The other thing, of course, is the kids themselves and the miracle. We're pretty unapologetic about the fact that our mission is the teenagers that go on our trips. And that's our objective is to change their lives. What we've learned, though, is that if we don't have real projects that are sustainable, that actually change the lives of the people who are being served, Mm -hmm. that they don't actually change the lives of the kids. Mm. We have this kind of tertiary miracle level, too, that happens when we actually go to the locations and see the people that are being served. And that's always an incredible thing as well, just to hear the stories of the people that resulted from being able to have their baby in a hospital instead of having to go 300 miles away because we built a hospital in their neighborhood or a child who's been having to go 10 miles away to school who finally has a a little school in their village now so that they can actually be educated. And, or these kids in Malawi who I think the ratio of kids to teachers is 120 to one. And we go in and build like four classrooms that changes the whole thing, especially for these girls who, when you're smashed into a classroom of 120 kids and you start to get your period, you're done. That's the end. You can't be in a classroom like that. But if they have more space and they have the ability to be able to do those things, then they can actually continue their education even after they start to hit that part of their lives. It changes lives on a lot of different levels. Last year, we started going to domestic trips in America for the first time. We oh. That was the first time we had ever done that. We decided we wanted to offer experiences for 14, 15, and 16-year-olds. We thought they're probably not ready to travel internationally quite yet, but maybe they would like to do something here in America. Yeah. We started doing little trips to like Appalachia and like West Virginia and places like that that are so different than a lot of the places that they're used to. I just, I'll tell you this quick story, this guy that runs our project in West Virginia told me last year, he said, you know, Amy, when you guys first showed up and you told me you were coming, I I thought, oh, that'll be nice. You guys can help fix up these houses of these people that are relatively poor. And they call them haulers. They're like these old hollows that go into the the mountains and the, the, the places in West Virginia. But he said, the most amazing thing has happened. He said, these people are they just feel like they've been totally forgotten. He said they they spent the first half of their lives in the coal mines of West Virginia, like building America with the coal. And then when the coal dried up, they went and signed up as veterans. And then they went to Afghanistan and Iraq and they they gave their their lives and sometimes their mental health to helping America that way. And he said, now it just feels like America's moved on without them and they just feel so forgotten. And he said, so when your kids, your 14, 15 and 16 year olds showed up, this summer, he said, when they first showed up, everyone was sitting on their front porches watching these kids saying, oh, that's nice. And he said, but they would come and talk to them. And he said, and then they just kept coming all summer mm-hmm. long. They would just show up and show up and show up. And he said, by the time the summer was over, their houses were all fixed up. And that was nice. But 
the real miracle, he said, was that you told them that they hadn't been forgotten and that, mm-hmm. and that they still mattered to someone. And the relationship that they built with these kids are something that's so precious to them. And I think it had the same impact on the kids too, to realize that they could make a difference for somebody else just by seeing them and by loving them. And that's kind of the whole purpose encompassed by what we do at HXP. It changes the lives of the people we serve, but it also changes the lives of the kids who do the serving in ways that are pretty hard to quantify. That is so cool. So Amy, I just keep thinking of this quotation that I read last night in a talk by Tad Callister. The talk is called Our Identity and Our Destiny. And he gave this BYU speech in 2012. So it's it's a little bit older. So he quotes C.S. Lewis, who says, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which you would be strongly tempted to worship. There are no ordinary people. Oh, I love that. And I just keep thinking of that when you're talking about like the kids and seeing them the way that God sees them. And I've had very similar experiences being super involved in recovery and in mm-hmm. seeing people who are just at the absolute depths of despair. They're, they either have just lost everything or they're about to and seeing them like with God's eyes, like in the way that God sees them. And it's really such a transformative experience to do that. And then also to talk about these people who you said the greatest miracle was that they knew they were not forgotten. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's, I mean, essentially that's Christianity in a nutshell, isn't it? That's what Christ did. He just came to every one of us and said, regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you think you are, you're so much more than you could possibly ever understand. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you why you're worth everything and that he died for me and for you. And I think like one of the biggest reasons that I've chosen to, to spend my life right now doing what I do is because I think we're losing too many of these kids. I think they're leaving the gospel before they understand what they're walking away from. I think they're listening to the narratives of the world about how they like to describe our faith and it's twisted and it's lies. And what they're not understanding when they walk away is like the true joy that comes from really living the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happens when you let this gospel dictate your life person that you start to little by little become is so much more than you could ever possibly become on your own. And 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 what scares me so badly when these kids walk away before they understand it is they don't know what they're giving up. Yeah. That's one of the biggest objectives of HXP is to just give them a little bit of a glimpse of what they can become if they choose to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not as a set of rules or boxes that they have to fit into, but as a way to enhance and enliven and like help them to become everything that they could potentially become, which is so much more than they could ever understand. Yes. I love that. Do you take seven and 10 year olds? Can I send send my two oldest to you yet? Corinne, you can take anything you want. You just come on one of my trips. You're one of my favorite humans. (laughs) Someday when they're older, when they're ready. I can't wait to send them. I love it. 
Yeah, no, it's been a real privilege to watch these kids. I think I truly believe, I truly believe that God saved the best that he had for the last days. I think I do too. I think this is, these are the kids that are able to, they have the capacity to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong. And they have the understanding to be able to tell that nuanced little piece of it that Satan's lying about, that they can tell the difference between what's true and what's not, as long as they have that spirit with them. And I think when you ask about there will be miracles, I think that's really the the promise that we that we try and make is that we'll give them a glimpse of what life is like with the spirit. I was on a trip last year in Colombia and this kid pulled me aside. He's like, I don't know what's happening right now. He's like, my mom made me come on this trip. I didn't even want to come. And he's like, I mean, I'm before I came on this trip, I'm not kidding. I wasn't just into drugs. I was like using heroin. And he's like, I was sleeping with every girl I could. And he was like, I was the exact opposite of what the gospel talks about. And he's like, I don't understand what's happening here, really. He's like, I don't understand why I feel the way I'm feeling right now. But he's like, all I know is that I want to keep feeling like this Mm. afterwards. And I was so fun to be able to explain like, oh, no, that's the spirit. Like, that's the whole point of the gospel. Like that it's to feel like this and what you're chasing after with all the drugs and the other stuff. It's it's what you're looking for is this. Yeah. And you can find it more here than anywhere else. And it was so it's just so fun to not have to like. Encourage them because you know it, but because they're feeling it and they want to chase after it after that themselves. Yeah. And what a cool foundation for these teenagers also to be able to feel some of those just real tangible, deep rooted ways of, you know, connecting their identity to who they really are and their purpose and finding meaning and things that I feel like a lot of adults take a really long time to figure out. You're kind of like fast tracking them to getting those touch points of things that will propel them in the right direction. That's so totally. We hear all the time, like I wasn't planning on going on a mission, but I want to go now because this is what I want to keep feeling like. And this is what I want to help other people understand how to feel like. Yeah. So it's really cool. I love that. (laughs) Are there any other experiences that you can think of that you'd really like to share that have stood out to you? When you asked the question, I think I got a letter from a dad earlier in the summer that I thought might be just kind of fun to share because it's not my, it's not my words, it's his. I'm going to change the name and the location just to protect um, the identity, but I'll read you kind of what he said. He said, when we signed Sarah up for the Africa trip, we merely hoped she would survive and not come home early. Of course, we prayed for a miracle that maybe something, someone, somehow her eyes would be open to the joys of the gospel on this trip. But mostly, we just hoped she'd last the whole time, knowing that what she would go through would be challenging and beyond what she's been through in life so far. And then this part of the letter was so touching to me. He said, the past few years, our sweet light of our lives has slowly slipped into all the trappings of today's youth. It's mixed with the tragedy that social media, drudgery, loss of innocence, insensitivity to the spirit, desensitization to all things wholesome, even commonplace decency. We've watched this sweet girl become a team who eventually could barely bother to bow her head in prayer, close her eyes in respect sit up during one family night, suffer through scriptures, or even come to church with us without family therapy to a paid professional therapist. (laughs) From straight A's to all F's, 
it's been a tragic experience for our entire family to see our oldest child, the only daughter, the light of our home become engulfed in all things that we never thought might enter this sacred space as we've clamored to get one thing, one opportunity to right the ship. It was perhaps one of the most stunning moments of our lives to receive Sarah's letter halfway through her trip on HXP. I had just had leg surgery and the first few lines, I almost choked on my own tears as I read aloud to the entire family regarding her own Alma the Younger type conversion. She spoke of missionaries converting a man they'd worked with before her very eyes, her love of scripture that she has changed and she wants to live her best self and loving the church and the gospel. It shook us to the core and it, it brought us to the depths of humility and gratitude to see that God takes care of his children in ways earthly parents can't mm. and have let go in order to allow others such as, and then he talked about the trip leaders, get people like our daughter to realize her heavenly potential somehow. And yes, only through the spirit, she was changed on this trip. You've created something heavenly on earth with HXP. You've captured a micro version of the power of a mission. And then he said, thank you. And God bless you for your work. You have kept what I lovingly call the promise. And that's, there will be miracles. Mm. <laughs> so I think, I mean, and that's, that's just, a big payday for it you. It is yeah. totally. And it's honestly, it's one of hundreds of stories like that, that I get all the time. It's, I can't honestly really figure out exactly what it is that's happening out there that causes so many of these kids to have that experience. But one of the things I feel most blessed with in my life as a single woman is that I have been given this purpose where I feel like my hourly daily existence is is so incredibly like blessed to be a part of bringing as many kids as I can and scooping them up and bringing them to Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really grateful for the experience opportunity to be just a part of this work and to, to do what we're doing here. So now I have to ask you if this is anything like what EFY was like or BYU sports camps or anything like that, where there's just this absolute insane mad rush for people to sign up. Is that what it's like? <laughs> totally. It's registration week is coming up December 5th through 9th. Actually, right now, starting right now, you can even get on our website and start browsing through the different opportunities, the different trips. I always tell parents, like, get on with your kids mm -hmm. and just ask them to sort of look at all the things and ask them to think about what feels right for them, mm -hmm. because really they need to be the ones invested in it. And yeah. so even if your kid's not super spiritual or whatever, a lot of times they'll get excited about the opportunity to serve or do humanitarian work. Just have them look through it and see if any of the trips feel right for them. You can put in your preferences then. And then starting December 5th, we run a lottery every night based on what your preferences are. We open it up first to 19-year-olds and parents. Mm -hmm. We have one mom and one dad that goes on every trip. If you're a parent builder, you actually can get your kid into the first day of the pref of the lottery, but we open it up first to the kids that are aging out of the system. And then the next day, Tuesday night is for 18-year-olds. Wednesday night is 17-year-olds. Thursday night is 16-year-olds. By the end of registration week, a lot of the trips are filled up. So it's people do try to get in as early as they can. If you're a parent builder, this year we're offering $1,000 off your trip if you'll sign up during registration week. There's two incentives. One, you get your kid on the trip probably easier that their top preference is because you can go in the lottery the first night. And we take we give you a little bit of a break on your on being able to sign up. 
December 5th through 9th is registration week. You're definitely want to gonna want to sign up during that week if if you're thinking about this. Yeah. And tell me what the remind me the website again. It's it, it's just it really easy. It's just humanitarian experience. So it's hxp.org. Hxp.org. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. what if someone's listening to this and they are like maybe not of our exact faith, or maybe they're a Christian, but they are non-denominational or whatever, or maybe they're just not sure exactly where they are as far as faith goes, but they think this sounds like a good idea. Like where, where does that fall into place for people who are not maybe exactly of our same? Oh, absolutely. I love it. In fact, more and more in the last few years, I'm seeing kids who are of different faiths or different denominations decide to join our trips just because their parents feel safe sending them on a trip where they know they're not going to be drinking or anything like that. And, you know, in a foreign country that gets a little scarier, but I've had a ton of kids that go on our trips who are not of our faith, who have really powerful spiritual experiences themselves, where they get to know God in new ways and and come to understand more about who they are in you know in the light of the gospel of, G- of Jesus Christ. And I think that they feel that by simply doing what He did, which is taking care of other people and loving them. So encourage anybody who wants to come on our trips regardless of whatever faith denomination you are, or if you're not at all, just come on a trip and help us serve people around the world. I love that. And then for someone who is maybe in that like perfect age range where they're interested in being a trip leader, are those positions already all full for next summer? Or where do you start recruiting for that? No, get your application in right now. Okay. <laughs> people have been submitting applications to since July. Mm. It's We do it on a rolling admissions basis. So the sooner you get your application in, the better shot you have of getting on a trip. We'll close applications at the end of January, but we've already started assigning people spots now. So just get them, get your application in as soon as you as soon as you can. If you want to be a trip leader, it truly is a life changing experience, just as much for the trip leaders as it is for the kids. So, if you went on a mission and you're kind of looking to feel that feeling again that you had back back there. This is the thing that I think will help bring you one of the best ways you can do to feel like that again. So cool. Okay. My last question for you, Amy, is <laughs> if there's one message that you want the people listening to this episode to remember, what do you want that one message to be? I think the message is truly like this. Your kids have so much inside of them. And if you give them experiences where God is able to show them who they really are. There's really no limit to what they can become. And if they've made choices that make you start to doubt them or make make you start to question them, consider sending them on something like this, where they have the chance to really be reminded of who they are and who they were created to become. Because I really believe that God saved the best he had for right now. And if you have kids that are that age, they're here on this earth at this time for a reason and help them to remember what that is. I love that so much. I just feel like so empowered hearing you say that. And I believe it too. I really believe that Jesus Christ's second coming is soon. It's going to be soon. And that the kids that are here now are preparing the world for that. So, and what better way (laughs) to prepare them for that than to give them an experience that really helps them to connect with the cause of Christ. So what a cool thing. Yes. Yes.
Well, likewise, I feel the same about you. So where can people find you and where can they find the HXP resources and all of those things? Totally. So HXP official is Instagram. You can find me at Amy Ellie with three L's, Amy Ellie on Instagram. And then hxp.org is our website and you can go there and find all things registration. So just remember December 5th through 9th is when you want to be ready to sign up. Perfect. And we will link all those things in our show notes too. I love it. So good to see you, my friend. I sure love you. Thank you, Amy. I love you too. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.